You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Well, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. But before some of you do, if you are a veteran or the wife of a veteran, will you guys stand really quick? Amazing. Amazing. There's a, um, a story about a little girl, and um, she's eight, and in her family, veterans stay standing, sorry. There is, this is for you. <laughs> um, there's a story about a little girl, and she's eight, and her dad, the way it works is they go on dates, and the way dates work in their family is they go to a restaurant of her choosing, which is good because in eight-year-olds, you don't really want the bougie restaurant, you want like the IHOP with pancakes and whipped cream, and you know, the cheap place. And then what they do is they go shopping, so they go out to a meal, and then they go shopping. But the catch is, is that the little girl uses her money, not her mom and dad's money, to go shopping. Like, that's the rule. So she could do chores and different things each month to earn up to go on a shopping spree at Target. So what I love about kids is that they don't want the, like, super nice car or the Barbie dream house necessarily. They want the, the little toy that they're going to lose in the grass the following week, you know. And so th- this little girl and her dad are at a place like Denny's, and... As they're, they're leaving, um, you know, he pays the bill and they leave and this little girl sees a man in a uniform. And because she comes from a military family and she was taught honor at a young age, she walks up to this man at the table and she says, hey, I just want to say thank you for serving our country. And, you know, her dad's behind her, like, giving the guy a thumbs up, like, please acknowledge my eight-year-old who's amazing. And... Um, She looks at him and she takes, you know, her $10 bill that she's earned from, you know, doing whatever at the house, (laughs) and she slides it across the table. And she says, you know, I was going to go buy a really awesome toy at Target, but I want you to take it and I want you to go buy a toy at Target. (laughs) And I guarantee you that guy, that gentleman didn't go buy a toy at Target. But I guarantee you, he kept that $10 bill in his wallet, and he looked at it every now and again. And he says, I will serve my country so that little girls like that will be able to go buy toys at Target. And so we want to honor you. I know Veterans Day was last week. We're so grateful for what you guys have done and what you're doing for our country so little girls can go and buy toys at Target. So you guys can go ahead and take a seat. So... I want you to say to your neighbor, God's here, and I'm expecting him to do something. You see, no one wants to live an ordinary life. No one wakes up and is like, man, can't wait to be normal, can't wait to be common, can't wait to be bored, but yet sometimes we wake up and we find ourselves living an ordinary life. And people don't want ordinary, they want extraordinary. They want to go on an adventure. They want to bust through ceilings and change status quo and shift cultures and, and do something that maybe their parents couldn't. And they want to live an extraordinary life. And so the, tonight, the title of my, my message is called The Land of Common. How to know you're living in it and keys to get out of it. <laughs> because no one wants to grow up and grow old and lean back on the rocking chair and say, man, I lived a common life. And, you know, if you've ever met Pastor Colin and Pastor Melissa, they lead our Pathfinders. They'll talk about, I know, they're amazing. 
They'll talk about innovation and IQ and talent and hard work and passion and what's your why and all that is important. And you need all that to set you apart. But if you look at King David's life, he was arguably one of the greatest kings that has ever walked the earth. He, he had 400 mighty men. He kills Goliath. Jesus comes from the line of David. He establishes Israel. And, and more than all of that, he sets up the next generation to, to build the greatest temple. Talk about generational wealth, legacy. And so the question is, is what makes him extraordinary? And so in 1 Samuel, I'm going to read. And King Saul is the anointed king. He's, he's reigning. And Samuel, God sends Samuel to Jesse's house. And this is what he says. And it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? See, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for Lord looks at the outward for man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. He was rugged with bright eyes and good looking. For the Lord says, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him amidst his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. You know, and many people will say, oh, well, well King David was anointed. But you see, Saul was anointed too. And this happens. And then what begins is a journey. And people, if you've heard of King David, he, you know, slays the giant and all he's doing is bringing his brother's lunch. And then fast forward, everyone's singing songs of King David's praises. And you, so, you know, we don't really know why King David, David at the time, wasn't brought into Jesse's house. But I can imagine being the baby, the eighth son, and the prophet of God is coming, traveled, and you're not included. And, and people can say, oh, it's because of his age. It's because he was young. Some theologians will say it's because th there was potentially an affair in the family and he was a product of that. And regardless of why that was, I can imagine there was an opportunity for rejection to sit in. And then fast forward, he then... His dad says, go deliver lunch to your sons, slays to Goliath, simply because no one else was. He's like, I'll go. You going to go? No, okay. Goes. And then people are praising of his amazingness because he's a teenager and just killed a giant dude. And then what happens is begins this journey where Saul is threatened and he is intimidated and he's insecure and what happens is then he begins this season where all through Samuel, Saul, King Saul is hunting David. And I can imagine for, for David, he's going, 
I've been anointed king. Like, I should be your greatest asset. You, you should see me as, like, somebody you need to develop and take under your wing. But no, you see me as a threat. And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for this. I didn't run for office. I didn't, like, raise all these funds. Like, the prophet came to me. But yet he's rejected and hunted down. And, and the reason that I'm, I'm talking about this is because we're coming around the holidays, and what I find is that holidays are fun, okay? Because people are like, woohoo, cookies. And, you know, you're like Pastor Ash and you've got lights all across your lawn and it's not even Thanksgiving. But for a lot of people, holidays are a lot of pain. And uh, the core around a lot of that pain or trauma is actually unforgiveness. And, and what you will find is that unforgiveness puts a ceiling over your life. Unforgiveness stops you from, halts you from hearing from God. And ultimately, unforgiveness could lead to you potentially not living the life that God intended for you. And I can imagine David. He has moments all through his younger years where he has to choose. Am I going to let the mistakes of people that have gone before you me determine my life? Or am I going to be quick to forgive? Am I going to be quick to move forward? Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for somebody else's crime. The reason that King David was extraordinary was that he was quick to forgive and he was quick to honor. And I found that it's really hard to honor when you have unforgiveness in your heart. And I wonder how many of us in this room are playing scenarios over and over again about things that happened 55, five years ago. But we think about it all the time because we have unforgiveness in our heart. Or that family member that it, it makes it hard to even go home for Christmas because there's issues there. And I'm, I'm not belittling the issues. I'm not belittling the trauma or what has happened to you. Just like King David, I'm sure you've walked through some stuff. I mean, King David, like Saul should have been, hey, let me show you the way. But no, he was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was literally hunted. He ran for his life. And I can imagine he's got some issues with Saul. Like, I would have some issues. Like, you're supposed to teach me how to do this shindig. And now you're threatened by me. And I want to pray for people for unforgiveness because... This is what Dr. Matt said today at our team meeting. He said November, right now, through December 31st is the highest suicide rate times seven all year. Christmas Day has the most heart attacks. It's the day, the highest heart attacks every year. Why? Because sometimes with family there's pain and there's regret. You see, forgiveness is never old news. We can't ever talk about it enough. Like what Jesus did for you and I, he sent his only son so that he could forgive basically everything that we would do, good or bad. There's a quote, and uh, I think Dennis Prager said it, but he says, when did I get wise? When I stopped blaming my parents for my problems. You see, um, on my dad's side, my parents were alcoholics. They were alcoholics for 20 years. And I didn't know this until I was like in my late teens. Because we grew up like 
going to Grandma Pops. And my Pops has since passed away, and my Graham's living in L.A. and her, living her best social life in a retirement home. Like, she's pumped because she has all her friends, and she's like chatty Kathy. But it wasn't until I was like maybe 17 that my dad told me. And I was like, what? They were alcoholics? Like, where was I? He was like, oh, it was before you were born. He's like, I grew up. He goes, yeah, they, when, they, when we were kids, they didn't really love each other, and they fought. And it was lots of screaming and yelling and throwing of things and tons of whiskey. And it took a long time for them to get to the place where they were sober. And, and they've been 40 years sober, and my grandma's proud to tell you. She's an amazing woman. But it, but it made me think. Like, I'm so grateful that my dad didn't let the mistakes of his parents limit my relationship with them. You see, when you extend forgiveness towards your parents, you know, there's many people in here, you're going, well, you don't know what they've done. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be forgiven. But guess what? Your babies deserve to have a relationship with their grandparents and Maybe they didn't do the best job raising you, but they could have a really great second go of being a grandparent. And I know that this isn't like a really fun word, but I felt so strongly that as we go into the holidays that forgiveness would be huge. And I don't know your story. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know your life, but I know that as you release forgiveness, you're going to set yourself free. And so I want to pray for people that if you're saying, yeah, Maris, that's me. And I want everyone to close their eyes. And, and if that's you, we're just going to pray a prayer. And I want you to release forgiveness towards that person. But this is the thing. You have to be at a place where you want to release forgiveness. Because acknowledging that you have unforgiveness is the first step. The second step is actually saying, okay, I'm actually okay letting them go of what I think they owe me. And so if that's you, I just want you with everyone's eyes closed to stand in your seat. On the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you, just all over this place, everyone's eyes are closed. And as you're standing there, I want you to repeat after me. You know the person, the people, you think about them awesome. They come in the room. You get triggered. You definitely can't like their photo on Instagram. There's even people in here that you say, no, no, I, I've let it go. I've let it go. But if you were to really ask yourself, you would say, no, I still have unforgiveness. And you see, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. There's a reason he, the commandment doesn't say love your father and mother. He says, honor them. You, you aren't responsible for how they parented you. You're just responsible for how you honor them. And I know they weren't perfect, and I know they let you down, but it's time to let it go. Set yourself free. And so if you're standing, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that you're my Savior and I want to release my unforgiveness the same way that you've forgiven me. I'm choosing to forgive this person or these people. So Holy Spirit, 
heal my heart. Fill me with your presence. And I choose to leave it at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know what I love about King David's story, and there's so much to pull from him. It's like courage, and I mean, I mean, there's so much. But I love him because he didn't let the mistakes of people affect where he was going. And he wasn't a victim, he was a victor. And further on in his life, what happens next is, is I mean, a lot of stuff. But the next story I'm going to talk about is about this. It says in the Bible in 2 Samuel 12, it says that in a time in the spring, in the times when kings were meant to be away at war, and he's home, and he's hanging out on his porch, and he looks over, and there's Bathsheba in a bath. And I'm like, is that, I remember being a kid being like, did they name her after the bathtub? Like, is that like her thing? And she's, she's taking a bath, and he says, basically, she's cute, bring her to me. And he's the king, so you do whatever the king says. And he sleeps with her and gets her pregnant. And he realizes that he gets her pregnant, and so he's like, well, shoot, you're Uriah's wife. And so then he sends for Uriah, who's fighting his battle on a battlefield, and brings him home. And he tries to, like, basically manipulate the situation where he's like, now go sleep with your wife. And he's a good general and says, no, I can't. My men are away. Like, I'm not going to enjoy the spoils of home while my men are dying on a battlefield. And goes back to war, and King David sends a messenger with a note and says, put Uriah on the front lines, where he then dies. So sleeps with somebody, gets her pregnant, then indirectly murders a, a gentleman, and then um, takes Bathsheba as his wife. And then Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and is like, stop, and tells him a story about these two men, and one's rich and one's poor, and basically it's this whole story where King David's like, how dare he? And Nathan is like, bro, that's you. <laughs> like, you are that man. And for the sake of time, I won't read the scripture, but now it's like, well, shoot, major error. And Nathan says to him, he says, okay, well now um, this is what's going to happen. And he tells him, God is, is actually going to smite your baby. And so then he goes and fasts and prays and his, his baby dies. And you're like, oh, no. Because, I'm sorry, like pre-Jesus, so it's like, you know, tons going on there. But what happens is that he finds out that his baby's passed away. And, and most people would blame God, be mad at God, run from God, for sure hide from God, have guilt and shame. But the Bible says that he went and anointed himself with oil, and then he worshiped. And it made me think, because this is a moment in time. This is a moment in time where, where, where King David has a choice. 
And I wonder how much you and I have a choice in moments like this where we have to choose. Do we want the guilt, the shame, the bitterness, the, the I'm mad and I'm blaming, or, or do we want to go to worship? And, and the team's going to come out because... Because we always talk like, oh, I'm worshiping on the valley I'm, or the mountain and I'm worshiping on the valley. But what about when, when we've sinned? Like it's a form of the valley. But in those moments when you've done that thing that you know that you shouldn't have done, are you running to God or are you hiding? Because the nature is to hide. The nature is to flee. The nature is to isolate. The nature is to, I can't tell anybody. I for sure can't tell my pastors. I for sure can't run to God. And so then what you do is then you come and you trickle in and you hide up in the back. Or maybe you even don't go to church for a while. Because guilt, shame, all this is real. But what happens is he goes and he worships. And there was this time in my life where I, it was like not a fun time. Have you ever had those times when you look back and you're like, that wasn't really fun. And not only was it fun, but I don't really like love my life. And um, it was a time where I had like changed jobs. The people I lived with were moving. And so I had to move back in with my parents. So here I am like 25 or 26 and I'm, like, living with my parents again. And if you live with your parents, that's amazing. But it's, like, a marker of... I felt like everything was falling apart. Because I hadn't lived with my parents for, like, five years. And I just, like, didn't have anywhere to go. And I had changed jobs. And I remember being so burnt out. And so discouraged. And so... I remember I would walk into the room... And I would be like, I don't even want to connect with any of you. Like, I, I, I feel like you're here, but blech. And you'd feel alone and isolated and lonely. And it was a time where I had a choice. I had to choose. Do I want to get bitter or do I want to get better? And so what I would start to do is I would wake up early in the morning and I would beat the sun. And it would be early in the morning, and I would go, and I would walk, and I would just pray in tongues, and I would have a coffee, because you know that's what you do. You, like, brew a coffee, because it's really cold, too, because I'm from San Diego, and it's like the sun's not out. And so I'm walking, and I remember I would just pray in tongues, and I got to the place where I was like, God, I, I need you to restore my soul. Like, I don't want to come out the other side bitter. I don't want to be offended. I don't want to be the girl that taps out when it's hard. And so often we tap out when it's hard. And you see, King David, I can imagine this is a hard point where he's like committed adultery and killed a man that served him. And now his son's just passed away. And if you've ever lost a son, there's so much grief. And I can imagine what he's feeling is so much. And what he does is he goes and he worships. And I think what God is looking for is a group of people that will worship. And I want everyone to stand in this place because I don't know where you're at. I don't know your story, where if you're like living your best lights on grass life. But the, the band's going to sing 
And my, my question is, is when was the last time that you just worshiped? And you see, God always meets you at your level of expectation. You can, you can stay in the back and have a good experience, experience or you can run to the altar and, and maybe God will do something amazing. And I don't know what you need. Maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you don't know what you need. And I just want you to run. Because God's going to meet you. And I know that this wasn't a hoopla message and, you know, you were ready to see something amazing that's not what I'm talking about. But I believe that God's going to meet you because this is an altar. And the reason we call it that is because it's where God will alter your life. And I know there's people in here, you're believing for homes. Worship. You're believing for babies. Worship. You just lost your job. Worship. You're being excluded. Worship. And so we're going to begin to sing, and I, and I want you just to come down. Like, no, this isn't about your friend or the cute boy you're sitting next to. This, this is about you. Like, you need a miracle. And so I just want you to come, and they're going to they're gonna sing. But Pastor Summer, I, I meant to do this at the beginning, but I cannot stop thinking about you. <laughs> and I know that's odd, but I, I know why, and I've been praying for you. And two things that I feel like are going to happen. There's going to be a miracle in your home. A miracle. Like radical. And on top of that, there's going to be a really amazing business idea. And it's going to feel prophetic and it's going to feel timely. And and there's many things that you've thought of, but it's going to be new. And you're going to feel a release to do it. And it's going to be an ease and it's going to complement and it's not going to fight with what you're already doing. But I feel like it's going to bring incredible amounts of blessing and joy in our life. And, and you've, I think you've asked God for a while, like, what is it? What is it? What is it? Or it wasn't the right time or the right thing. But God is going to, this next year, He's going to give you that thing. And, and it's going to feel so grace. So just reach your hands out towards Pastor Summer. God, I thank you for the Peterson home. God, I thank you for the life. God, I thank you that as she's built your house, God, that you are building hers. God, I thank you for innovation. God, I thank you, even right now, that you are bringing miracles, miracles into our home. God, that you're shifting hearts and restoring minds. God, I thank you that there is a new day coming. God, I thank you that you're breathing fresh life onto Pastor Summer and her family. God, we thank you for her and Mark. God, that you are their great provider. God, I thank you that you are making a way in every area of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just come forward. Come forward. God's going to meet you here. Yeah. You can light it up. You can light it up. God of
or maybe not even severe, but recently you'll be up late at night and your mind will rattle and you'll like hit the pillow and then you're thinking about all the things that could be. We're problem solving that thing. I want you to just lift your hands. I believe that God is going to silence the rattling in your mind. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. There's somebody on live stream that you, the anxiety is, is, is normal. Well, not now. Jesus comes and he says, peace, I leave you. 
peace is your portion. God, I thank you that peace is their portion. God, right now I come against the enemy that have attacked these people in the form of fear and anxiety. God, I thank you right now that you are silencing the voice of the enemy where they have worried about things and, and meaningful things, silly things, pointless things, but God, it still caused anxiety. And right now I silence the voice of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you right now, peace is their portion. God, I silence the voice of the enemy that would whisper to them. God, I thank you that you are our provider. God, you are the hope of the world. God, we, your word says that you are a strong tower in which your kids can run to. So right now we call in the name of Jesus and God, we thank you for miracles in this house. God, I thank you for peace of every person. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Amen. And if you're in this place and you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, or, or you're like King David and, and you've grown up in the house of God, but there's been situations that the devil has thrown at you that there's a gap. There's a gap between you and Jesus. You still believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but you're far. Because maybe like King David, there's situations in your life that have caused you not to run to him. And if that's you in this place, I just want you to lift your hands on the count of three. And you're saying, yep, Marissa, I want to re-engage in this relationship with Jesus. And I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you know, because if you were to leave this place and someone were to ask you, you'd be unsure. And maybe you'd say yes. Oh yeah, I grew up Catholic. But you don't really know. And I want you just to lift your hands and say, yep, Marissa, I want Jesus. I need Jesus to be Lord of my life on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. I see that hand. Amazing. All in the back. Amazing. 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 Over here. You're so cute. Beautiful. And, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to repeat after me. Everyone's going to say this, but especially you that rose your hand. This, this is like the most important part. And I want you to repeat after me and everyone close your eyes. Just repeat out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart tonight. Forgive me of all my sins. Give me a clean slate. You are my father. Heaven is my home. Walk with me. Take the wheel of my life. You are the Lord of my life and Savior of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So if you rose your hands, we have what's called a response lounge, which is a really fancy word for we want to give you a gift. So service is going to let out, but especially if you rose your hand, I, I want you to sneak in there. They'll take two minutes out of your amazing life. And we just want to get to know you and, and get you connected. And we have a gift of following Jesus book and a Bible because this is just the beginning. This is the first step. So just everyone lift your hands. God, we thank you for the city of San Diego. God, we thank you for the church, the greatest force on earth. 
God, I thank you that you designed the church and the people in it. God, to be the center of a society, a pillar. God, a beacon of hope. God, I thank you that you are doing things in each and every person's life. God, I thank you that the best days are ahead, not behind. God, I thank you that we'll be like David, that we'll run to you and we'll worship. God, that we'll release forgiveness quickly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.